0: It is a, uh, it's an honor. Um, I'm going to be talking to you this morning about a subject matter that far exceeds anything I could even imagine trying to explain it in human terms. And yet, ever since I've been a little guy, I've been absolutely fascinated with, yeah, with blood and with understanding what it means and what it means to be in Jesus be a part of who he is, and how does he manifest himself in me? In you. And what we're going to talk about this morning is very personal, and although it may feel like you're just, you know, one of amongst spectators, one of the most beautiful things about the Word of God, it is alive, it's living, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it pierces the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and the thoughts and intense of your heart, it goes to the very core of your being, and it's mediated. It is processed by the blood of Jesus Christ. How does that work? How does it work? Honestly, how does it work? And what we want to do is we want to think about it instead of this, this big, you know, laudable kind of Pentecostal way. Nothing wrong with that. But so often when we sing about the blood of Jesus, we're not really realizing often. What is it? And what is it doing? And how are we supposed to live with this mindset that the blood of Jesus is cleansing us from our sin? That it is doing something in our faith? That it's washing us even now? My wife and I, I don't know, Pam, who's going to be coming next service, we've been married for 40 years, guys. That's a long time, okay? And it's not 40 years in the wilderness. It's been a real blessing. And we just spent our 40th wedding anniversary in the most, you know, really the ghetto of Maui. I'm joking, but it is, it is probably one of the most magnificent places on the planet. And in Maui, we, I mean, I just picked a place kind of randomly. I knew that we had to, had to go, and we had to just go. We had to get out of here. We had to leave. We had to get our kids. We had two incredible community leaders who, oh my gosh, who watched our corgi. That's more important than my four children. You know that. <laughs> And I mean, who wants to watch a corgi, right? And so we go, we get there, and we find out that we're in this wonderful Napili Bay, and we're in the one condo that's right on the water. I mean, come on, that's like the greatest place you can be on this planet. And here we are sitting, and we we go out onto our deck, and it's nothing but, you guys, 24-7 of waves washing, breaking, removing Sand in this constant motion to a point where, you know, you go to sleep and you're waking up feeling like you're getting pulled away out of your bed because the waves seem like they're getting closer and closer. And this constant washing, constant, we're talking, if you hear the waves, you can kind of get one of those apps that, you know, you could get ocean sounds, you can kind of get that thing in your background. But this idea of a constant washing, a constant removing because the sand would go out it'd get brought back in you'd go out and you'd swim in this water you'd go and taste it It was all about being around this constant activist water in front of us and we didn't leave it for eight days I mean I'm still kind of like this right now and it's just like because you know how you kind of get in that mindset of water and the interesting thing about that it's the same action that the blood of Jesus does in our conscience it's a constant cleansing. The Holy Spirit filling you and I right now. We don't have to wait till next week. As a matter of fact, we don't have to wait for another 10 minutes. We can have it right this minute. Because he's constantly cleansing you. And what is he cleansing? Yeah, your sin. Yeah, your guilt. But the essence of his cleansing, as we'll look at in a moment, is your Conscience. And you see, cleansing it, he cleanses it from the dead works to serve the living God. That's right out of Hebrews 9.14. So when we look at the, 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 the whole idea behind this, let's just think about it. When Jesus, if you if you look at your... And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. I'd love to get you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, or if you want one... Please raise your hand. There's no guilt in wanting one, and I can tell you, you're going to want one if you don't have it with you today. Okay. Because if you have your Bible, I want to open up with a passage of Scripture that's probably the most controversial of any in the New Testament, and it leads right into the ending of Galatians. Because Galatians, as you know, kind of if you kind of summarize it all, stop being a Jew, get over it, and move on. Stop thinking that circumcision is going to get you anywhere. It won't. Get over it. Any outward manifestation of fixing God's problem will never work. My religious rights are never righteousness. I can never, ever manifest God's presence in my life without His Holy Spirit. It doesn't work. And the only way that's going to happen is by allowing Jesus to be truly what the essence of Galatians is. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved, him, loved me, gave himself for me. Christ Jesus in me. Christ Jesus in you. How does he do that? Well, First and foremost, in John chapter 6, I'm going to read this passage to you. We usually read a scripture before we start, and I would just encourage you to look at this on the head, or look at it right out of your Bibles, out of John chapter 6, verse 53. And it's basically Jesus stating to these guys, and I say guys, Jews, unbelievers, and even believers, everybody, this is a public statement. After he calls himself the bread of life, after he's made it very clear that he is not only God, he's the Savior, but he's the one that will ultimately be walking into Jerusalem on a donkey, like what it is today. So when he was walking into Jerusalem on the donkey, they were expecting a much bigger fanfare than what he actually did. He actually walked in on probably the lowest of all animals, and he was walking around the paupers. There was no pomp and circumstance in this entry. But it is this place, when we look back in history, what would have been the most appropriate statement, yes, Hosanna, John the Baptist nailed it, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the King who's coming. This is the King who's coming into us. The triumphant entry is the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ in me. And the real triumphant entry is him into your conscience. And that can only happen by the blood of Jesus into your conscience. So you look at this chapter, and you look at verse 53, and it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh and drink of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. I'm the living Father. As the living Father. I'm the living Father. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate or the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this and said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Is the Spirit who gives life and flesh the flesh profits nothing? The words that I speak to you are Spirit and are life. And there are some of you who don't believe, for the For Jesus knew from the beginning that there were those who did not believe who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it had been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom? Whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The blood offends. It offends for one main reason as Jesus described it. The blood in the Old Covenant was meant and designed to never be eaten according to the Old Covenant. The blood was to be used specifically for sprinkling, for putting on the ears of the priest, for putting it around offerings, to be placed very specific. God was very particular about how to treat blood. And not only was he very particular about it, he was so particular if you even thought of eating it, even back in Genesis chapter 12. God says, even if you eat of it in chapter 9 as well, you will die. So you can imagine the mindset of the Jewish thought, especially the Judaizers, the audacity to think that you could eat the blood of Jesus. That was the major disqualifying of Jesus. That was the ultimate blasphemy. And even the disciples, just like you and I, when we hear about the blood, many of us, because we're so accustomed to it being gross, Because we don't understand what it actually is doing. We find it hideous and we can't imagine. Why would God ever want to use blood as a medium of holiness? That's just gross. Even when Jesus presented communion on the table, what did he do with it? He blessed bread. He broke the bread and he gave it. But what did he do with the wine? He goes, this is the new covenant of my blood. Take it and here you go drink. What was he really saying? My covenant is going from the outside to the inside. Everything about the old is now being ingested in you. You are no longer an autonomous unit who is running your life all by yourself and you're going to figure out your life because you have it all together and you're going to do your religious right and we're going to take our disposable, you know, Instacart kind of stuff that we could get anywhere online and you can get this and this is going to be your ultimate sanctification. These are awesome. These represent exactly what I'm talking about and we're going to take this in a few moments. But this is really an outside at this point. It has no value until it comes inside. So you have to think about it for a second. What is the purpose of the bread and the blood? And why would he choose those two vehicles to demonstrate his person and his work in me? Well, first and foremost, as you're going to see on the overhead above you, you're going to see that the bread is the body of Jesus Christ. He says, this is my bro- blood, which is broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. It's a new meaning for you, i.e. It's taking on a new form. It is a gift from God. Now, bread by its essence from the old covenant was the medium of exchange. It was the presence. Literally, when we talked about the bread of presence, it was the only sustainable force for the human body. Even the manna in the wilderness, as is described in the desert the food when they were it was given from heaven and during the last supper when the bread represented the body of christ when jesus multiplied the bread to feed the crowd bread because of the sign became a sign of sharing it also symbolized the word of god which nourished the crowds it was the medium of god's nourishment and his word it was the vehicle that god chose to use so bread was, in essence, Jesus giving his body to you. And I ask you, have you ever stopped, woke up in the morning, and just go, thank you, Jesus, for your body? Thank you for your body, and just lifting up holy hands and just thanking him. Because most often, we don't really think, think about thanking God for his body. We often just want to assume that that was just given to us, God came up with it, but the idea is, The eternal God and Father incorporated a physical system and lived in it, lived it out, fully tempted, yet never sinned, yet became everything to all man for the very purpose of being a sacrifice. So Jesus, on the donkey, came into Jerusalem, not as a king, as the Messiah designed to be a sacrifice. And number one sacrifice being his body and the essence Of his blood. Jesus needed to bleed. Now, let me get to the real core here is the blood of Jesus. Because, you know, we get the body, it's the corporal action of God. But now we're coming to the essence of Jesus. Because this is the true nature. It wasn't his teaching, it wasn't his great anything on his body, it was all about what was flowing through his body. And this blood represents something very important, just like it represents something in your and my body. God leaves us a really incredible image of what blood actually is in your body right now. So when you go into a a, a, uh, lab tech, for example, and they take some blood out of your body, and they do an example, and they... I want to see what it actually represents. And you know, guys, I can only tell you right now that I'm about ready to go off. I'm just saying, because I really want to get into this and I'm going to spend hours on it, but I'm limited on time. However, let me just say something in Jesus' name. I believe God's going to do some healings this morning. And I also believe that the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. And please, please, the enemy of your soul wants so bad to get you distracted, even including myself. Don't, don't, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Talk to me right now. Amen. Amen. Don't lose this, okay? First and foremost, what does blood represent? This verse is potent. Leviticus 17, 11. This is the core of the old covenant as well as the new. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. For it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. What are you really saying? There's a word that's the essence of that verse. It's used three times. That word is called nefesh in Hebrew nefesh means the life force of a living being the vitality the soul it's the the being inside of you so when you look at this verse it's the connection of the life force saying the life of the flesh is in the nefesh for I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for the nefesh For it is the nefesh that makes atonement for the soul. It's the life that makes atonement for the nefesh, I'm sorry. So what that's really saying is threefold. is that God's life in me is mediated by this animal that will be represented in me. So it's a substitution of life for life. The life of Jesus in me is the essence of what the blood is doing in me. So the more I meditated on that, the more I understand that there's a reason why God used blood for a number of reasons, not just the spiritual, also the biological. Now, when you actually take a human being or any life form, for that matter, a mammal, and you look at their blood, you'll see a picture that you have over on the overhead here. This is what this, when they take a blood sample of you, they take a look and they look to see if you, do you have a picture of it up here? Um, It might be the next slide. If there's not, there it is. This is the nightmare for most of you, but this is the reality, okay? The little red dots there are the red blood cells, you think, right? And there's some blue ones and there's some goofy ones. I don't want to minimize this because it is really interesting biology, but I'm just saying, okay, this is going to, we can go into detail, but let's face it. There's two things that's going on here. Those red ones are essential for taking oxygen to every single cell of your body and taking the garbage called carbon dioxide out of your body. That's the only way it's going to happen with that red blood cell. So we call the blood is your provision of life. And the little black one, right, the one that's kind of black, dark blue, that's called a lymphocyte. You know, that's the core of your recognition system. Your body has barcodes every single cell, and every cell on your body with that barcode is being watched by this concept called immunosurveillance. It's surveying your body for what belongs and what doesn't. It's the discernment of your body. So there's a constant vigilance of what belongs and what doesn't always. So when you get COVID, when you get any kind of disease, your body's recognition system says, you don't belong here. I'm calling my mom you don't belong here. I'm going to get my buddy here who is a big dude called the refrigerator. He's called the macrophage. He's going to gobble you up and he's going to take you down. He goes, oh yeah? Oh yeah, come on, get him, Charlie. And Charlie eats him. Charlie chews him up. Charlie spits out the bones and sticks out the bones on its surface and says, hey guys, come and check this out. All the barcodes come out going like, oh my gosh. So they go like, go tell Andy. Andy comes over with his group called antibodies. Andy sends the antibodies out and says, we got this. Okay, that's immunology one in 15 seconds. I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) I'm just saying, okay. So, inside, outside, there's a warfare going on in your soul and in your body. And there's a war going on in your bodies right now because we're all exposed to all kinds of different problems that come into your body. And what's happening is that that warfare is an ongoing vigilance of things that belong and don't belong and don't think it's not doctrine. Don't think it's not lies from the pit of hell. Because the Holy Spirit gives you with an eye the word of God that's alive and living, very selective of what belongs in your life and what doesn't. So the blood of Jesus is that discernment. It says, that does not belong. And the confidence this morning is, I'm standing, when I say I stand on the blood of Jesus, I'm standing on his word, I'm standing on his truth, and I'm standing on his perfection to say no. One of the most powerful holiness terms we have this morning is that two-letter word, no. Because if he can get you undecisive, he can take you out. There is a yes and a no. That's why all the promises are yes and amen, because there's no gray area with the immune system, and there certainly isn't any in holiness. It's very what belongs and what doesn't, and we got to get out of the gray zone, guys. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you that decided action this morning. Many of you are making decisions today. You're already deciding in your mind whether it's this person to marry, whether it's the job to take, whether you really think God can heal you or not, Whether and all the doubt that comes in, in the essence of the enemy's strategy is to always question God's word. It's to obscure it. It's to change the barcode just enough so that you will get what's often called in your body called autoimmunity, where you start to fight your own battles inside you and try to get rid of all the toxins yourself. And we find ourselves fighting ourselves, believe it or not. The enemy doesn't have to do anything. We start really getting so focused on ourselves that we lose sight of the liberty that comes from the blood of Jesus. Now, often you know we don't connect science and theology very often. The core of that connection is the blood of Jesus, because they meet at this core of what Jesus did and why he had to bleed. Why did it have to be so gross? Why did all? He was literally exsanguinated. That means all of his blood came out. They went after every single major artery. When Jesus was seen, according to Isaiah 52, he was marred more than any man. You couldn't even recognize it was human. He was a, 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 literally a flesh mass. Really hideous. I was thinking, why would I believe this? You know why? Because God's love was demonstrated. Even while you and I are yet sinners, he died for you, but didn't just die. He was slaughtered for you. And all that blood that came was a reminder of Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, if you're feeling guilt about something right now, I encourage you to take the second To just nail it and say, Lord, forgive me. Let that wave. It's another wave. Because you know what? The waves are coming right now. And they're constant. They're constant thoughts. Constant thoughts. Putting yourself down. Comparing yourself. All those kind of condemnation. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. you guys realize that the word of God, because it's alive and living... Because it's something we meditate on. It's the essence of the waves washing your conscience. It's the word of God, you guys. That's why it's so important for us to be in the word. My opinions mean nothing. It's not a wave. The wave is the word. If you really want to know who you're hanging out with, listen to what they're saying. Out of the essence of the heart, the tongue speaks. And what's coming out if it isn't something associated with God's Word, if something isn't drawing you near it because the Word of God is at its core. And it's something that you and I are called to foster and let it stay in our conscience so that we will follow Jesus entirely and not halfway. How many of you want to follow Jesus entirely right this second? Just I want to see a show of hands. Go ahead. Say, I do. See, if you're not sure, you probably, it's not like you didn't put your hand up but you're, you're not doing that or maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit's been trying to get his hand on in your life and there's a moment right here which is really interesting there's, there's a, an author we've quoted him many times before he's from St. Andrews in England and his name's N.T. Wright and he wrote a very interesting statement he said this just as the mercy seat fulfilled To function when sprinkled with sacrificial blood, so Paul sees the blood of Jesus as actually an instrumental in bringing about the meeting of grace and helplessness, of forgiveness and sin that occurred on the cross. The meeting of grace and helplessness. That's what the blood is doing. Because in essence, you and I are incapacitated apart from the blood of Jesus. And just like your own body, without any heartbeat, there's no blood. Why? There's no oxygen, and that's why we die. Your body, your soul, are dependent on the blood of Jesus. Provision by the Holy Spirit and protection from the enemy. Protection from anything that's falsely walking its way into your conscience. Let's all stand. Father, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. And I just ask you, as you're standing right now, to just take your hand and place it on the person, if they, if you can reach them, right in front of you. Reach your hand out and touch the person right in front of you. And to get a tangible body in your hand somehow, like their shoulder. Reach out to them. It's not, don't worry about it. This is not a pickup moment. This is a moment of just taking a moment, to just by faith, just stepping out and putting your hand on that person in front of you and praying a prayer for that person, praying that God would cleanse their conscience, praying that the Holy Spirit would just move right this moment, that he would fill this person overflowing and let the Spirit of God flow through you as you begin to pray for this person. Pray in ways that you didn't even think you could. Maybe it's praying in the Spirit. Take a moment right now to just do it. In, by faith, just start praying. Whatever that word is for them, right this second, go. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you for that person that we have our hand on. We want to thank you that you have your hand on us right now. And as you begin to move, as we give you freedom to move, we ask, Lord, that we would be willing to respond. Willing to ask. Willing hear what you have to say Lord if you have a word for us to share Lord I pray for confidence I pray for courage I would ask that you would give Park Hill, my beloved family here an overwhelming sense of your love that's so deep so rich that the concept of blood Lord Jesus would be at our core of passion that we would know Lord I have ever violent the actions that were on you you did this because of your love your matchless love you could not resist because of your love Father let us understand in a fraction of your passion for every one of the cells that are flowing through our bodies right now every single bit of oxygen in us every ounce of protection that you are there You're moving right this moment. So we give the rest of our time right now to you. And we trust that you're moving. Help us to be about your thought life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.